everyone. Oh, it's a very exciting moment. Welcome to yet another. I'm really sorry. We are still doing more of these episodes. <laughs> Forgive apologize. us. So anyway, uh, welcome to another episode of Ferguson Harrington Hawks. Now, if you've never heard this podcast before, well done. And yeah. if you have heard this podcast before, you'll know that I am Ferguson. I'm Harrington. And I'm Hawks. You and your are... guest is... And who the hell are you? Who the fuck are you? I'm Fred McCauley. Hey! <laughs> Welcome, Fred. Uh, uh, Fred. Which, incidentally, Chesney, I heard what you said, uh, that who the fuck are you, which is the Scottish <laughs> television equivalent of who do you think you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ancestry programme. Don't, you, then, uh, don't no. you then just add on to that, do you not know who I think I am? <laughs> Obviously. There's or it. I've got another oh. one. Do you not know who I think I used to be? <laughs> That's my one. <laughs> my favourite um, one for a comeback, I learned it from this guy, Ian Jackson, at the Fringe, the tech guy, and he said, when someone's mean to you, you say, better people than you have told me I'm shite. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Right? That's, That's an good. insult and humility all in one go. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited to have Fred here. Fred, how long have we known each other? Mm, probably 34 years. Jesus. Maybe 35. Wow. Before you two Before. get into the history of your relationships, Fred, could I ask you to move your camera a little bit to your right so that we have your whole head? Ah, there we yes. go. Because oh, you were just a little bit like lopsided cyclops. Right. Before. It's, <laughs> it's because I've uh, just got a tiny little iPad. Yeah, I've heard that about you. That's one of the things I've been doing. Listener out there, dear listener, sorry, we just got overindulgent there and started talking about our own shit and forgot about you and I am terribly sorry about that. Um, you can write in, in, uh, on, in, write in on pink paper and say it's not fair. Yeah. Um, the reason Fred and I have known each other, that's what I'm going to say, is because uh, Fred started, you used to be an accountant, Fred, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, I met Fred when he started doing stand-up comedy and he, in a thing called The Funny Farm, which was a group of comics in Scotland. And uh, were you one of the founders of that? No, uh, I, w I was a very quick appointee, but the founders yeah. were Stuhu, oh, we Parrot, a.k.a. Yeah. Willie O'Hara, oh, Bruce Morton, and Bruce's then girlfriend, who was a kind of administrator, uh, so they were they were the people that decided that the, the funny farm should exist, and then they they co-opted myself, uh, Mae McCready, um, Kathy and Claire Claire Hemphill and yeah. Kate Donnelly, um, and others who I can't yeah, remember. So you met you met in comedy, but. But I yeah, like yeah. the idea of when, when you mentioned that Fred was a uh, an accountant. I liked the idea of that that he did your books. <laughs> oh, he's done that as well, right? Okay. But only in a sexy well, now, way. That yeah. makes me only happy. in a sexy way. The other Fred. thing I have to say because I'm conscientious and I do my research when we have a guest <clears throat> on the show. <laughs> Pardon me, Madame Fred. On your website, you you let us know that it wasn't account just accountancy that you trained in. It was also jurisprudence that's correct which i have to say is a word i've never heard of before so you made me do homework i had to right. look it up 
And and now I'm wiser that jurisprudence is about the knowledge and grammar of the law and it helps lawyers understand the basic ideas and reasoning behind the law. So thank you for that. You're very Did welcome. You uh, it, is, yeah. it is the reason that, that why laws exist. And people yeah. have often said to me, Neil, over the years, what exactly is jurisprudence, Fred? And I have told them, it's the subject you do if you fail your economics. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as... So it's something you pick up later on in life because by default you've got to fail the economics first, right? <laughs> so it was a, it was a third year option um, to try and scrape an ordinary degree at university. Um, in fact, I've, my degree is over in the corner in another part of the room, um, and you can just see under the tipex the word "very" in front of "ordinary." <laughs> do you still utilize your accountancy though fred no I'm, I'm, well actually i i, I do uh, a quarterly vat return <laughs> just to keep my hand in yeah. um, and i have to say uh, in terms of very recent uh, circumstances I can confess I'm very careless with my tax affairs. <laughs> <laughs> my brother is an accountant, but he's also a rock drummer. And, <laughs> the, and he works in, I know, civil service. There's a juxtaposition. Uh, yeah. <laughs> stroke rock drummer. And, and when he sends his invoices, he's my drummer as well, when he sends his invoices into me, he very often leaves a gig off and forgets or, you know, gets, gets it wrong. Wow. So I, 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 can, I can relate to, to that. There you go. I, I oh, would wow. like to think that I have never left a gig off an invoice. No. In fact, I'll be honest, I add a few on. Add a few, yeah. Here's a story about the Scottish accountant who left things off the invoice. I don't believe it. <laughs> Do you know that's a it. tiny bit racist? I'm just, I'm just putting it to you. That is a tiny... <laughs> Tiny, tiny, uh, tiny, 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 tiny. I know we've got to get on to Fred because Fred is the guest and it's all about his quote. But I, now you've brought it up, I'm going to tell you, we had people around for the weekend and they brought this game. And is that a sexy it, game, Neil? <laughs> Please, God, no. You cannot get a more xenophobic game. It must have been invented by, uh, by somebody from the UK because basically you have a list of accents that you have to put on. Wow. And then you pick oh, no. up a phrase. <laughs> so the phrase could be something from a television show, from a Doctor No film, you know, just it could be anything. And yeah. then you, you <laughs> get all these accents. And we were playing it on Saturday Night Pissed. I'm like, this is the most xenophobic game <laughs> ever invented. It must have come from a British person. <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, I'm, wow. I'm going to make a note. What's it called? I can't remember. I have to email you. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> that was instinctive. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> oh, that should explain, listener, uh, in case you've never uh, ever seen my stand-up act ever, which would be a good thing. That means that if it's a, a double down, if you've never seen my stand-up act and you manage to avoid this podcast, you're doing really well in life. <laughs> but in my in the entirety of my uh, stand-up, even from the years of the Funny Farm, I used to do this thing about how the place I come from, from Cumbernauld, had a real uh, slogan to sell it, and the slogan to sell it was, what's it called, Cumbernauld? And, uh, which wasn't even funny then, but it was funny now. Because... 
<laughs> oh, but I would, it's right, the, no, it the power sense. of repetition, which is you say yeah. something over and over again until somebody laughs with uh, succumbing to it. Well, do you remember, <laughs> Lynn, way back then in the, the late 80s, early 90s, um, as Scottish towns and cities were adopting slogans, I used to have a line about uh, Dundee, where the, the, uh, the, oh, the boat... <laughs> The discovery that had been used, you know, for various endeavours around the globe is now back and docked in Dundee. And Dundee's slogan was Dundee City of Discovery, which I said is not a bad slogan. Uh, and you have to admit it's better than Dundee. We've got a boat. <laughs> <laughs> what is it you're discovering in Dundee? Is it? That's the question. Yeah. That there is a boat. Hey, Chesney, you should get your structure out. You're yeah, too happy. Yeah, get your structure out, Ches, because we're, okay. yeah, we're enjoying okay. ourselves yes. far no, too this much. This is fun, though. This has been fun. Yeah. So, no, yeah, we have, a, we have a little structure in, in, in our podcast, Fred. So, first of all, we choose a fabulous guest. Check. Um, then we ask our fabulous guests um, to, to give us a, a quote that they either live their life by or that they just mean something to them. Um, and we talk about it, which is what we will do any second now. And then somewhere in the middle there, um, Lynn's going to do a little bit of magic. Uh, and I don't mean pulling a well, rabbit, a rabbit out of her ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which we'll discover in a minute. <laughs> and then we talk about that uh, for a little while. And then we also ask our guests to, to provide a, a song that is like a favourite song or, or something that they're emotionally connected to, to, for some reason. And then I recreate that uh, song. Most of the time I do it live. Unfortunately, today I'm in somebody's shed um, and I, I can't do it. <laughs> Rock and roll. no me. piano because the song that you've chosen as well, it was definitely a piano Right. Yes, song. of course That's it as is. As far yes. as we're going to go with that one. Okay. So, if it was we'll a guitar, I might be able to do that. But uh, yeah. So, uh, and then and then we talk about that. So, uh, so let's get on with your quote. Absolutely, Fred. So we have your quote, and I've got to say, you've proper tickled me straight out of the gate. Is <laughs> is a man with funny bones? And as a little bit of background for the listener, um, Fred had a very serious road accident back in 2020. And he was very lucky to literally get up and walk away from with just a few broken bones. <laughs> so Fred's quote is, don't bother with clean pants, because if you're in an accident, you're going to shit yourself anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and and that is something he lives his life by. And, and I've set you up, mate. Over to you. There you go. Yeah. There's the setup. <laughs> but do you know... Um, Lists of things and, and what, you know, what's your favourite film, what's your favourite book, TV programme. I'm not good at that kind of thing. And there are other things that I live my life by. Um, cash is king. You wouldn't expect anything else from a Scot. Um, stop doing that uh, is another one. Uh, and the, the, Scottish, the Scottish football chant... Uh, we're shite, but we know we are. <laughs> I, I think Is sums us up as a nation. You think that it, so that, how do you know that that comes from Scotland? Because it uses the word shite instead of shit. Shite is a Scottish oh, word. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I heard, I heard a really good one recently, and this is from a pal of mine, and he said, who was asked the same question by, uh, in a podcast by Andy Coulson, you know Andy Coulson, who was uh, 
He, he describes himself as a former uh, resident of Belmarsh Prison. He was David Cameron's communications director, and prior oh, to that, remember, yeah. he was, uh, I think, phone hacking supremo. But he asked uh, a pal of mine what was his uh, motto for life, and he said, be the man your dog thinks you are. Oh, that's good. I love oh. that. Absolutely yeah, love it. Great. And as Lynn knows... Uh, the Macaulay House has been uh, full of children for a number of years, but more importantly, full of dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, Aileen says hi, Lynn. Oh, I love your wife. Yeah. I, I, I love your yeah. wife. There's part of that thing about uh, ageing. I was thinking about this this morning before to, when I came to do the podcast was about um, when you age, it feels like you've got this history with people that was like this time that only you and them know. There's like little yep. islands of time where I'm like, oh, my God. And the only yeah. other people who know about that island of time in that moment uh, is those. And it's like you and Aileen do totally represent that. There's a thing where you go, God, the only people who would know that would be them. Right? Yeah. It's brilliant. The pandemic was bad for everybody, right? I don't think MD came through the pandemic thinking lovely times. But actually, the period of time between 2019 and now, your life went through some real rocky shit. Yep. Do you want to talk about it? Or you uh, just want to yip? Yep. <laughs> well, <laughs> there, was the, there was the aforementioned accident, which uh, I was... Uh, I, I still have trouble talking about it, to be honest, um, because uh, it was something that could have had a very different outcome. Um, and I, yeah. I didn't know before that what the effect of um, adrenaline can do, because after the accident, you get this huge rush of adrenaline. So I was uh, sleepless for, for a number of nights, and um, Aileen and I decided that we would go a holiday and that, that was fundamental in just kind of getting a bit of sunshine in my life and learning to sleep again. Um, so there was that and that was February uh, 2020 and uh, there was word already that COVID was coming. Uh, so we kind of got out. Fundamentally, we... We, there was a there was a, a cloud to the a silver lining to the cloud uh, of COVID, which was that our youngest and his then girlfriend, now wife, uh, had been living and working in Sydney. Uh, Ian was the nighttime producer on Australian Big Brother, and they were coming towards the end of the uh, the series. I think he had about another week to go. They'd been recording for about thirteen weeks. And everything just looked like it was starting to shut down. So they managed to get a flight. Uh, I was going to say uh, one of the last flights out of out of Sydney. And, of course, the airlines were very understanding about the, the panic that this was causing people and trebled their prices. People need to get back Sounds across right. the planet. So how can we make some cash out of this? Yeah. Uh, but they got home. And they, they came All and lived with us I. for three months. All hearts, oh, yeah. Um, so there was that, which was, uh, the, that was the upside of COVID. But the nighttime industry, in particular stand-up, just disappeared. Came back for a wee while and then disappeared again. Um, and Scotland, because we've got 
two governments. Um, we've got Holyrood with Miss Sturgeon and we've got Westminster. So it didn't matter who said what first. 24 hours later, there was a an absolute 180 degree different uh, decision yeah. made by whichever government was second to that. Uh, and when COVID came back uh, and the second lockdown happened, Miss Sturgeon announced that there was a tsunami coming, a tsunami <laughs> of Omicron. Uh, and things that had gone into the diary, Lynn, just came out again. And the two lessons, the lesson about that was when the first lockdown came in, it took weeks for things to come out of the diary. People were hanging on, you know, hoping that the gigs might happen. Um, and me being uh, kind of OCD, I wanted everything out of the diary for that period. And there was one gig in <laughs> Wales, and they kept saying, oh, no, no, we're, we're hoping. I, wasn't even, I nearly went in to do the accent there, Neil. I was nearly adopting your racist uh, I'm, Yeah, absolutely. I've set the tone, of course. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. But then the second one, uh, all the gigs I had for a period of three months over... November, December, January, which is, uh, you know, that's fun times in Scotland. Um, yeah. <laughs> they disappeared in under 24 hours. It was calamitous. So, in wow. effect, I went 20 months and two weeks without any kind of proper income. Now, yeah, that's... I know how you feel. That's all, yeah. But uh, I'm a good bit older than you, Chesney, and, and everybody else in the world. Uh, right, which reminds me, I've got a I've got a brilliant story to tell you. Wait to hear this. Um, so, uh, because you know, as an ex-accountant, I've been fairly prudent, as you can imagine. Uh, so we, we we were absolutely okay, and I felt bad for the the young stand-ups in Scotland who were, you know, Amazon deliverers and uh, shelf stackers and that kind of thing. So I, it was okay. You know, my garden was immaculate. I have to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. then, and then, what else are you going to do? And in 2021, yeah. two of the kids got married. Not to each other. <laughs> we don't live in Motherwell, for goodness sake. Uh, what's it called? Motherwell. That, that was a very unsuccessful slogan. Uh, Absolutely. Motherwell deserves So wait you hear this about age. Last week, did an interview with the, the courier. And uh, because I'm going up to do, uh, going to do four nights uh, around Scotland with the I'm sorry I haven't a clue live show with, uh, well usually Tony Hawks is on it but Tony's not doing the Scotch dates but it's with Marcus Brigstock, Rory Bremner, Pippa Evans, Jack D. Anyway, so this young journalist in inverted commas asked if she could do a Teams call with me. And this is what happened in the conversation. She said, uh, I see you're 66. I said, yes, I am. She said, most people your age are either retired or in care homes. What keeps you going? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what keeps you going? That was the question. No. Yeah. That was the question from a journalist, right? Now, I was How, old was How old do you think she was? How old do you think she was? I think she was maybe 12. <laughs> you know what it's like when you get to this age you just oh. can't tell they all look the same. Yeah, yeah, they're all 12 that actually sounds yeah, yeah. very wrong <laughs> it does. Oh, but I hear you yeah. I hear you brother yeah yeah I hear you but anyway uh, I, and I wish yeah. I had said well I keep going because it gets me out of the care home obviously <laughs> this is how long I've known Fred which is 
Fred and I were in the bar of the Gilded Balloon um, during the festival when Aileen gave birth to Ian. Right? <laughs> yep. That right. And then that's the very same Ian that ended up uh, uh, producing, did you say? Yeah, Big he was Brother? nighttime producer on uh, wow, Big Brother in Australia. Talking about that, can I ask you a question? And I'm sorry, Lynn, to interrupt. Sure. But like, um, when just before um, Ian came back from Australia, uh, did he leave those contestants in isolation? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's probably a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> Sorry, Lynn, carry uh, on. Nobody's been asked into the diary room for a while. Do you think, <laughs> do you think this is okay? <laughs> uh, can I, can I, uh, might, 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 might. <laughs> hello, hello, anybody there? Hello. <laughs> so that you said that uh, two of your kids get married, but the weddings were postponed, weren't they? During, yes, uh, yeah, oh, yeah there's a lot of that's what I mean about a lot of stuff happened oh, yeah. during, yeah, um. The pandemic for you, I guess, for everybody. Yeah. I, I wonder with you, actually, uh, and this is the question, you can tell this, the wee 12-year-old journalist. <laughs> the thing that I find <laughs> fascinating about you is how much your life has changed, right? How much your career has changed and how you've moved from so many different things. But you've not. Like, you and Aileen don't change. You're just like, it's like, you go, oh, Fred, Aileen. Right? But, like... um, you went from being an accountant with your degree mm-hmm. um, and then you went to do stand-up um, and then you had a long... Uh, you had your own show on the BBC um, and then you've done, you know, you're doing I'm Sorry, I Haven't a Clue. Yeah. And you do your own shows, you do <coughs> chat shows. It's a lot of uh, change for a guy from Perth. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not even Perth, Australia, Perth, Perth. Perth, Perth. The, the proper the real Perth. Perth. Yeah. What's it called? Yeah. Perth. Yes. It's not Perth. When do you want it? <laughs> I mean, uh, it's a place on Earth. Perth. God. <laughs> that's it. Is that the best? That's brilliant. That's it, is it? Is that literally it? Well, it is now. Fuck it, I'm never going there. I'm never going. <laughs> You've got to pity all those cities that rhyme with Venus, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where do we go from there? Um, and like your home life is very stable, isn't it? You're yeah. very rooted in family and home and everything. Do you think that uh, you've been able to make more chances or take more chances and make different decisions because you always knew that you had stability? Would that be the thing? I think that's very uh, pertinent, Lynn. Uh, Lynn. Um, I, so two, two bits to that. One was the fact that I was into my 30s before I, I did this. Uh, so we'd, And we'd been together a long time. Uh, Aileen and I, we'd known each other for a long, long time. Um, and it was, as you maybe know, uh, it was a, you know, it was a big, big decision because I grew up not just in Perth itself, which is a, a city that's maybe got 48, 49, 50,000 or something like that, uh, which is tiny by uh, many people's standards. But before that, I was in places like Callander and Killin and Rattray. Um, and I always kind of suspected I wanted to get entertainment, but I I honestly didn't know how, you know, because, you know, we we got a television and you could see people on TV, but you had no idea what the 
process was that got these people to there. How to get there. Um, yeah. yeah, but my my dad was a cop, so he was he was pretty grounded. He was he was pretty liberal as well. I have to say, um, my my brother and I were uh, you know it was hardly radical, but he, he never he never told us to get our hair cut or anything like that. Consequently, my brother. My brother, who uh, had to leave school early, uh, uh, he was given the option. You could either part company with the school or uh, await a, a more formal um, removal. So he chose to leave. Uh, very long hair, very hippie-ish. Um, myself, I was kind of that way as well. But then we, we moved into Perth and I went to a school called Perth Academy, which was pretty formal as well. Um, but there, there was a good family structure when I was growing up. And then Alien and I, uh, not just our marriage and our relationship, but our friends and family around us were all really stable as well. And even to this day, there's very few of the people that I know have got divorced or separated. I mean, it's it's a tiny handful of sort of the, the, the people that I would consider close friends that have bitten the dust. So, you know, and that, you know, when there's a group kind of feeling like that, I think that strengthens your own uh, your own relationship because you're, these are the people that you see and you see them as as couples and all that kind of stuff. This sounds all very middle class, uh, and that's because it's I am middle class. You are well, maybe you are, but you're also the thing I'd, I'd say to the listener is that dear, because we only have one. Is mm. that um, Calendar is a small kind of rural place, and and like they're beautiful, beautiful places, yeah. but like literally um, the standing in the, in the main street in Calendar and thinking about having that your own show on the BBC yeah. is like trying to work out how to get to the moon. That's right. Especially <laughs> at that time, it really yeah. wouldn't have been a thing, and not even just that, but that. <clears throat> You, the show is about you being you. Uh-huh. So even in terms of entertainment, in that time in Scotland, if you had to be all kind of huge and whatever, do you know what I mean? In order to get something, you what had does to, that mean? Like Scottish entertainment. Well, you, you know, you'd be you. Scotland still does that a, a bit, which is it really loves like um, melancholy or like sort of stuff of the past. So, like, for example, people will still talk with great uh, joy about the works of Harry Lauder, who it was, you know, Harry Lauder was Harry Lauder, and there's definitely good things that he did and everything. But, like, it was, you know, uh, over 100 years ago, yeah. probably, now. Um, so, like, there's a lot of Scottish entertainment that is is rooted very much in, in the history. So, for a wee guy from Perth yeah. on air, right, to go, oh, I tell you what I'm going to do is I'm going to have my own chat show. People would have been like that. You need to be committed. Uh, uh, (laughs) The the late Kenny Harris, who was a a stand-up that kind of started around the same time as us, Lynn, uh, because my first venture was in a a So You Think You're Funny competition, but it wasn't the the Edinburgh Fringe one. Yeah, but the, the Guild had started it. But then there was a, an arts festival in Glasgow in the 80s called Mayfest. Oh and uh, they decided that they would have a So You Think You're Funny competition. So I, I read about it in The Observer. And you had to write ah, in. middle class. You, you ri- totally are middle class. <laughs> no, I told you. Uh, and you had to wait to hear this for even more middle classness. Uh, you had to send in what you had as original material to one Simon Fanshaw. 
No. Yes. And Simon decided whether it was good enough to to give you a, a slot. Right, so presumably Fanshaw got paid 5000 from the Observer to be the front man and didn't bother reading any of the stuff that you sent in. But Kenny Harris said uh, when Glasgow decided to have the competition, they called it, so you think you're funny? Well, you fucking are not <laughs> <laughs> Really? That is really? so true. God, I miss him. Oh, He's no. another guy that was part of that past. He was just <clears throat> such a great guy. Why we've only got one listener is because it's just me talking, wow. talking, talking. It's okay. And Chesney looking adorable and Neil making everything happen from his cupboard under the stairs. Do you know we're the only company that Neil gets the whole week? Is that right? Yeah, true. Yeah. Dog. He does have a dog. Is that and a dog? Is it? And a lovely wife. What happens here is it's more of me talking, right? Which is, you know how I love story. I love yes. working in story. And I like to do the weird old things with the story. Well, I worked out that there's a way that you can tell what story is going on in people's heads if you just ask them to tell you about this one thing, right? So each of us have a story running in our heads that we think everybody else can hear, but nobody can. It's a bit like Narnia. Um, so like in writing terms, you would call it like the subtext or in acting terms, you'd call it motivation. And we've all got one. And that, like, so I do this wee exercise and then you, we look at yours. Is that all right? Mm-hmm. All right. I'll, I'll be kind in it. I'll be like, you know, I'll not go through your underwear drawer, especially if you've shat your pants. Frankly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's volunteered that information as well. So, How many people do you think have the thought process, oh, I've shat my pants, I'll better put them back in the drawer? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> 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 Maybe you have a particular drawer specifically for the shack pants. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, I I do this. I'm unfaithful to this podcast with another podcast. Oh, right? dear. Uh, no, I know. But which is uh, my index to sex where I'm talking with a, a woman who was a high, she was an upper class escort for a long time. And actually, the, and so she goes through the index cards of all the people that were her clients. And uh, <laughs> up until now, like, you know, like when you say who would shit their pants and then put them back in a drawer, I'm like, oh, no, I think I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> or at least know of a guy. Right? Well, Lynn, before you get into your story, can I tell you a quick one about uh, something that Ian said the other day that cracked me up? Um <laughs> We had a school reunion decades ago, and one of the girls who'd been a very bonny girl at school, uh, she came back uh, to uh, Scotland and was working in a very normal job, but we discovered that for 10 years she had been uh, a hooker in London. And I said, so clearly she decided to turn over, and I was going to say a new leaf, and Ian said several times, <laughs> definitely like father like son there. oh absolutely don't fall far from the tree though that's good we were talking the other day i was doing like recording the other day and she and she was talking about just we were just talking talking and uh and she said that she'd called her friend right she's got a friend who lives in brazil now and she she called her friend and said and, and then she said and it was morning there so she was tired and everything and uh, she said to her friend, so what are you doing just now? And she said, oh, you know, I'm just in the kitchen pottering about, washing off dildos and making pancakes. 
well, in that order. It's a right? Tuesday, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a weekend morning anyway. That bit will get cut. Just so you know. When did Kenwood yeah. start getting into the dildo market? <laughs> There's an edit point. That's a really good edit point, right? And, and we're back in. Surely. And we're back. And we're back in. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to ask you to tell me uh, a story, or just talk to me about a subject, right? Just you don't have to make shit up. Just tell me what your thoughts are on it, or what comes to mind. I'm going to record it on my timer. There's my timer. Two minutes. And you have to go. And for I'm two going minutes. to write stuff down. And then I'm going to tell you what I hear, all right? You've got to talk okay. for two minutes, Fred, all right? All right. Okay. Ready? Tell me about diamonds. You ready? Go. Well, I'm in the very fortunate position that uh, we have got uh, some diamonds in the house. Um, and when I say that, it sounds like there's a stash of diamonds, but they're not. They're actually part of Aileen's jewellery. And uh, when I asked Aileen to marry me, I bought her an engagement ring, and that had... Uh, two diamonds in it and they were tiny um, and then when I started to make a wee bit more money I bought her another ring that had one bigger diamond in it so uh, it's not something that I would wear myself it's not something that and you know Aileen she's not somebody that wears a lot of garish jewellery in fact she doesn't wear any garish jewellery at all but she's very pleased with her diamonds um, and you know we're now at the stage where my mother-in-law, who's the last surviving member of the, that generation on alien side of the family, is uh, passing on some of her jewellery. And my daughter, Cara, <coughs> Cara, that sounded like a, an emotional crack there, but it wasn't. <coughs> it was just me clearing my, my post-Christmas cough. Mm-hmm. Um, and she uh, is passing, passing diamonds on to Cara for Cara's daughter Remy who is now nine months old so uh, they are a constant diamonds uh, I think that's great uh, the only other thing I can tell you about diamonds is and I don't know if this is suitable for your podcast or not but I'm going to say it anyway um, my father being a cop had a, a penchant for reading uh, books by an American author called Joseph Wambo and there was a thing in Joseph Wambo's novels where they, they, they described various stages of, uh, of erection um, and at, at one end of the scale or probably I have to say at the far end of the scale uh, it was referred to as a diamond cutter so <laughs> there you go did I get to two minutes you, did. Two minutes. you did get to two minutes well you done well two done minutes Fred. just on a diamond cutter well done do you know what's funny is like because I I do the I do diamonds quite a lot and I can see both guys listening because they know what it means and so like with us they were like oh yeah oh yeah oh oh, oh. and then when you go to diamond cutter they were like <laughs> yeah that's I, I think that's probably me though Lynn I I you know I if I look at my set uh, current set list there's a lot of stuff in there that. Uh, I kind of think, really, Macaulay, you're in your 60s, you've been doing stand-up for 35 years, you've got, you know, there's people out there doing such brilliant comedy uh, about stuff that is really, really important to not just their own lives but to the planet, and you're doing a joke about washing your dick in the sink. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the thing, though, with comedy, 
I do think is that comedy has all different shades of it. And it's like people wouldn't, people don't look at books and go, oh, you know, every book has to be Tolstoy or else it isn't a real book. People enjoy all different flavors of books. Uh-huh. And it's the same with comedy. There's all yeah. different flavors and that's very of comedy. It shouldn't all way, just be that yeah. particular subject. Yeah. So, so well, I can one. look yeah. you in the eye. I can look you in the eye and go, respect for the knob gag, brother. Thank you. Okay. Knob <laughs> gags and yeah. fart gags as well. Never, never, never old. Especially if you've got Timeless. a dog. If you've got a dog as well. Yeah. Can, yeah. can I, I, I should maybe just, uh, I'll, I'll give you this, which is young Kevin Bridges, who's a brilliant Scottish stand-up, during yeah. the pandemic wrote uh, a brand new stage show uh, and a book and probably scripts as well. Uh, and all I managed to come up with was that when <laughs> Boris Johnson told me to wash my hands for 20 seconds, I thought I should wash my hands for 20 seconds. And when I did wash my hands for 20 seconds, I thought to myself, Fred, you've maybe been neglecting other parts of your anatomy. Uh, And as I've said, Aileen and I have been together a long time. And as any relationship uh, you'll know uh, has ups and downs, highs and lows, but there was no low as that day during COVID restrictions when Aileen found me with my dick in the sink singing happy birthday. Twice. <laughs> uh, and I, I followed it up with, for he's a jolly good fellow. <laughs> and I'll be honest, was I, think, he? I think I blew, was he a jolly good I think fellow? I blew was it with he? hip hooray. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's what I came up with in 20 months and two weeks of lockdown. Uh, but it's, a, it's class, oh. though. That's class. It is class, right? It's classy. It's a it's a Michelin star, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the the diamonds. When you ask people yeah. about diamonds, it's about what they value, what's important to oh, them. Right. In See, I went literal. And uh, yeah, it's like really well, no, but the, the it's like if you ask people about diamonds, they'll tell you who was it? Ask someone about diamonds in um, in Edinburgh doing a show, and and she said about. Uh, that when she got rich, when she'd be, been got wealthy, she bought her girlfriend at the time and really wanted a diamond. It was all about a diamond and she couldn't understand it and she bought a diamond for her. Um, and she still doesn't understand diamonds and why the girl liked diamonds right. because they had a son and wasn't the son the more diamond. important than diamonds, right? Uh, so it's all about values, oh right? About what you value. No, well, yours is uh, alien. Is it alien yeah. and family, family. and uh, Maybe, passing yeah, on yeah. heritage? Yeah. It is. Well, no, I'll tell you how I know. How? As well. How? Because you, t- you tell me, uh, the first thing you say is you're very fortunate that you have diamonds in the house. You're like, oh, you are fortunate you get diamonds. All the, all the things that you value are already in your house. And, uh, and aliens jewellery, and I'm like, yes, I know. And and the thing that you say to is when the engagement ring you got her when you met or like when you got engaged was two tiny diamonds. So then you got her another ring and it's a giant diamond, right? Which is what she wears. So it's that thing about the uh, the longer you've been together, the more you realise what a diamond she is. Do you know there what I mean? Go. The growth. I, I need more to qualify. Value. It's not giant. It's just bigger than the others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They all say that. Yeah. That's yeah. what they all say, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the we way you use that. it, mate. It's the way you use yeah. it. <laughs> and, and, and I've got to say, there was an appalling incident at the jewellers when they, they showed me the first 
and I said, no, that one's way too big. You wouldn't happen to have a diamond cutter. And uh, that, was, <laughs> that went all wrong. He <laughs> read the Joseph Wando books as well, didn't he? <laughs> I do already know about your dad reading these books, but everything in it is about family and the value is the relationships and family. Even that your mother-in-law is passing on things to your daughter. Daughter, it's all, all value is placed there. And what's lovely about it, it's probably why uh, you didn't write a book or do loads of things during the pandemic, because everything that you need is under your roof, right? Like yeah. literally... What do you feel about value? Well, I'm very fortunate in that I have all these diamonds in my house. I'm like, okay, good. Yeah. It's a nice read. I'll buy that. Would, is there anything you would disagree with then in that? No, I'm I'm buying that. I'm I'm on board with that, Lynn. Yep. Yeah. That's the thing I loved about lockdown the most was just being with family. Because um, in for me, I'm a musician, so I was always on the road. So that. 18 months two years like just to get off the train and just spend time with family was just absolutely golden for me mm. yeah it's so almost a shame that. in a way that it, it, it it's it, it's such an overanalyzed period in our lives right because it was so fucked up and mental and uh, you could almost have a podcast or a show just I, I bet you could get so many special stories about why lockdown was actually really interesting and incredible for some people because all we ever hear is is the hardship of it. Yeah, isn't it really? That's a really good point, Neil. And just as you're saying that, just I, I think it maybe amplified people's personalities and yeah. uh, personality traits. So yeah. our our middle kid Jack uh, lived in Edinburgh and still does, <clears throat> and he. Uh, works for a, a big sort of asset management company. And he was sent home to work from home uh, in, in the February, three weeks before there was any hint of lockdown because he has a, a medical condition. And so you had to kind of shield. And Jack stuck to that rigidly. That's the kind of nature that he is. Luckily, his flat has got a wee garden and he, did, he went out and did his gardening. And we didn't see Jack for about five months Right, because we stuck by the rules. And in May 2020, Cara and Graham should have got married. And they didn't because we stuck by the rules and we cancelled the wedding. A huge financial cost to us. And the day that Cara was meant to get married was the day after the number 10 Downing Street garden party that oh, all the photos man. came out, right? And on the day that Cara was meant to get married, she and her husband, Graham, walked down from the next town from us to our garden and they sat miles away from us in the garden because we stuck by the rules. Now, mm. people were dying, people weren't able to hug their loved ones. So in that respect, it's not that, you know, it's not that big a hardship. And there was a financial yeah. thing as well that pissed me off. And not at the time. We we didn't we, we didn't think, you know, we should be pissed off at the time. We just thought, this is what we have to do to get rid of this fucking disease. Meanwhile, you've got this elite that, you know, these people that are, in inverted commas again, governing us, just yeah. ignoring the rules that they were creating. And, you know, I'm more angry about politics than I ever have been in my life. And because, yeah. it, you know, we're in a period of great instability and... I'm using the word fortunate again, Lynn. 
we've got to this part of our lives and for the for ninety percent of it, everything's been pretty stable, you know? Yeah. Since born in the fifties and the sixties, it's all been pretty stable. But what's going on just now is just shocking. Yeah. I do so totally divisive. agree. I talked to somebody the other day who was having a problem with their kids and I was like, you know what? For me, for like right now, my kids get a free pass. Nah, yeah. They get a free pass on a whole load of things because when I was 12 years old, I didn't live through a global pandemic. Yep. So I don't know what that's like. I think yeah. one of the things yeah. that I think about the, the pandemic really is it, it's a, I, I love the idea that it's a sort of accentuator, like a magnifier. What somebody said to me once about fame, and I, I think this is the truth, which is that when people get really famous, you can see who that person underneath is. They mm -hmm. sort of hide. It. All the stuff that's hidden <clears throat> leaves them and they show who they are. Like, watching you, Chesney, deal with people who are like, oh my God, it's Chesney Hawks. You are still exactly Chesney Hawks. Like, you're still totally that guy where you're like, oh yeah, let me help out. Or <laughs> you're like adorable. And I, I feel like the pandemic did that too, which is that people who were, uh, who wanted to do the right thing did the right thing. People who were always trying to like skirt yeah. around and yeah. get opportunities did that. Uh -huh. The one thing I do, I, I do wish with politics is I wish we could stop using the word elite. Yeah. Right. Because elite makes them sound like they are special. I actually, I'd prefer if we just used the word that rhymes we hunt. Yeah. But begins with a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Because that's yeah. what they were, yeah. right? Selfish yeah. hunts, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you, just when we're talking about the, the effects of lockdown, I'll tell you, I mean, I, I didn't just write one gag about sticking my dick in the sink. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't stick my dick in the sink. I, in fact, I didn't. You washed it. You washed it in the sink. As far as the gag, you washed it in the sink. And that's where my that's mind is. I look at you, Fred, and I just, well, in fact, I just imagine honest, you washing that. Yeah. <laughs> Neil, the number of sinks I broke... <laughs> <laughs> Sticking by trying to, by going to wash it at okay. the wrong time. Okay, let's move on. Okay. No, but so I, I will tell you the, the use of the F word in Scotland, which we we, yeah. we use quite liberally. Uh, I've got a wee bit. You mean about, fuck? Yeah. Uh, okay, <laughs> just checking. What I didn't know, Chesney, was that everybody in Scotland said it at exactly the same time which was uh, 11 weeks into the first lockdown when Nicola Sturgeon, <laughs> the first minister, announced to the nation that the, the, the restrictions were getting relaxed and the good news was that the people in Scotland could now exercise for two hours a day instead of one, at which point five million people turned to each other and said, what the fuck is she talking about? <laughs> two hours exercise yeah. a day. <laughs> Lost her fucking mind. There's a, a whole nation just said the F word at exactly the same point in a sentence about the same person. Yeah. And she said, and remember that exercise uh, can, can include hiking and kayaking, which <laughs> yeah, know, the Scottish biathlon. <laughs> oh, did you not know? Yeah, oh, yeah. We're a nation of hikers and kayakers. I, <laughs> yeah. I went down Especially to the on New Year's Eve. with my kayak. I couldn't get in for fucking kayakers. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do that. Let's move into our next section here, which is your 
choice of song that I, I recreated. Here's one I did earlier. It's a bit Blue Peter style today. <laughs> um, so um, you chose um, Billy Joel's Piano Man. Yep. So before before we play my version of my my five minute version of it, by the way, um, it's, it's yeah, now, it's a I've long it song. Again. It's got like eighteen I've, verses. I've, I've cut thirty seconds off, love. Okay. Don't worry, get up to speed. <laughs> <That's it>. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. Might have to cut it out right right down. So yeah, what what was what was your uh, reason for choosing that particular song and that artist? And what's your, I, what's your I like I like Billy Joel uh, uh, as an artist, um, and I. I was thinking, you know, just about uh, ways to finish a stand-up gig, um, and I've never really sang um, on stage other than on, uh, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue, on Radio 4. Uh, and, oh, well, uh, of course, I did uh, Comic Relief does Fame Academy in 2007 uh, and survived seven nights. Um, so I can sing a wee bit. Uh, my timing's awful, which is a terrible thing for a comedian to have. But I was thinking, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, sing us a song, uh, Piano Man. Or, uh, and I was thinking, what a nice way to finish would be, tell us a joke then, Funny Man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's as much as I've thought about in the lyrics, you know. <laughs> but uh, I just <laughs> right. think it's something I'm thinking about. Um, and I, I just wondered <clears throat> if you guys might be able to... But- not, not come up with the had, lyrics, but we, do you think it's feasible? Only if you wear my dress. If we had more time, we could have done that, you know. And you, you'd you write, you and Lynn could have written the lyrics, and then I could have performed yeah. your yeah. version of it. So you know, maybe Damn next it. time. It's too late now. I've done it now. So just for you, Fred McCauley, we have Chesney Hawks performing Billy Joel's Piano Man. Hope you enjoy it. It's nine o'clock on a Saturday The regular crowd shuffles in There's an old man sitting next to me Making love to his tonic and gin Place that he'd rather be. He said, Bill, I believe this is killing me. 
As a smile run away from his face But I'm sure that I could be a movie star If I could get out of this place Oh, la-da-la-da-da-da Da-da-da-da-da Paul is a real estate novelist Who never had time for a wife And he's talking with Davy Who's still in the Navy And probably will be for life And the waitress is practicing politics As the businessman slowly gets stoned Yes, they're sharing a drink they call loneliness But it's better than drinking a song tonight Well, we're all in the mood for a melody And you got us feeling alright It's a pretty good crowd for a Saturday And the manager gives me a smile Cause he knows that it's me they've been coming to see To forget about life for a while And the piano, it sounds like a carnival And the microphone smells like a beer They sit at the bar and put bread in my jar And say, man, what are you doing here? Oh, la, la, da, da, da La, 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 da, 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 da Sing us a song, you're the piano man Sing us a song tonight Just for you, Fred McCauley, there is Chesney Hawks performing Billy Joel's Piano Man. Well done, Ches. Beautiful. <laughs> that's got to be, well, the, that's got to be the longest all... song so far. <laughs> yeah. His songs are not easy to, to do, I don't think. I think um, I love She's Only a Woman to Me, but I mean, gosh, that's, my that's such a big song, yeah. range, isn't it? But, uh, you know, Lynn, I was just thinking that there are so many... Um, resonances with with stand-up you know totally. the, the waitress and looking at the people in the bar and the manager uh, gives me a smile it's it's so yeah. similar to to what we do uh, around the clubs and places you know the pubs that we used to do beautiful 
I think it well is done, that Chase. thing too of there's a bit in the song. I've never listened to that song properly, Chesney, until your version. <laughs> oh, really? Talented and adorable. Isn't Do you he? Know what I mean? yeah. Isn't he? That he was really, really lovely. I know. Yeah. But you See, that would be a diamond. Oh. That's a diamond, right? <laughs> um, no, the the thing about uh, in it about the the manager's happy because uh, it's like the people, people have come here because they want me to yeah. take their mind off their lunch yeah. for a while. I was a piano man actually uh, at in the beginning of my my musical kind of career, my journey. I was at literally that guy. I I was that piano man in the corner, and every day. Every gig was different, you know, one, and I'm talking, I was young, I was like 15 when I was doing that, 15, 16, just sitting in local pubs and things like that and playing Billy Joel songs and, and Barry Manilow and John Lennon and Elton John. And, you know, one gig would be like, you know, you just ignored in the corner and you're just sitting around tinkling away and just working out chords and it, nobody really cared what you were playing. And I was just, just doing it, you know, and that's, and then the next day, uh, it would be, you know, everybody asking for requests and you'd, you'd have to be on your feet yeah. and like really try and, you know, give them a party, as it were, you know. So that's where I really learned my, my craft, you know. So, so I can relate to the, the lyric in that for sure. And it, it, I was going to say, it's kind of melancholic, isn't it, as well? I mean, the, the yeah. piano man there, unlike you, Chesney, when you did it, he's a guy with a lot of career behind him. I mean, he's, he's <laughs> yes. played there a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. i think um you know what we, we we've just started doing this podcast as as, as video um it, it's more than just a podcast now and and the thing that just always is so special for me is when i get to watch your face when i get to watch the guest's face when chez performs the song and i'm so glad we're doing video now because that's the that's the ma- i'm a sound guy by trade so i guess I, I get off on sound a lot but to see somebody that i don't know experience a little bit of magic that they weren't expecting that that chess before it, it's wonderful it's just well, i thought fred was just face. making notes to be honest he kept picking up his pen and like <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna give me notes yeah, after but they this. were enjoyable <laughs> notes you didn't quite hit that note in the second verse there. I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit <laughs> flat there, love. No, Try better, Hawks. I've, I've got <laughs> such a terrible memory. I had to write down melancholic waitress. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I also thought that when I do get round to writing the lyrics, I have to fit in what's it called, Perth. So that's, <laughs> that's it's a place on earth. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know what you could do though with it is like if you take half of the verses and you make them rhyme, right? Uh-huh. But then, like, you can fish because you know how during a stand-up show there'll be the guy from the Marines yes. or the guy from the thing. So if you've got like stuff, like there was something where it was like somebody in navy or there yes, was something Davy, like Davy in the navy. That that probably that will be for life. Work. Yeah, that's yeah. an easy rhyme, that was. You'd have to look for somebody who's wearing navy or whatever. <laughs> in stand-up, it means that you could take what you've done with the audience yep. and place it in your lyrics, and then people would it would balance up the melancholy because people would appreciate the yeah, individual true. touch, as you yeah. say. If I do ever get round to doing this, I need a pianist. All right. Oh. <laughs> I know a man. Well, can I just pick up on that? You need a pianist. I'm looking at the clock. We're running out of time, and I need a pee. So can we take from pianist to pee to running out of time? <laughs> what are you calling a penis? Final <laughs> sum up. 
Lynn, can we can we jump onto that? I need to go. As oh, well. I've, got, I've got a pants drawer to sort out. Over to you, Lynn. Oh, okay. <laughs> Will you do this one last question, right? Which is, given what you know now, right, in life, what advice would you give to your sixteen-year-old self? That's that's really tough, Lynn, because it's it's something that I think about a lot um, about stand-up, you know, because I've I've done an awful lot, and I I sometimes wonder could I have done more. Uh, was I right to to kind of come off the stand-up circuit when I did to go and do the radio? But 16-year-old me um, was really immature physically and emotionally. Um, so, gosh, I would say um, just do the same again, you know? In 50 years' time, you're going to be speaking to Chesney Hawks and Neil and Lynn. <laughs> Uh, on a podcast and if you don't do what you've just done or you're about to do you'll have nothing to talk about (laughs) well that That may not even happen (laughs) Fred you have been an absolute joy to have on the podcast you really have now you can see why I love them do you know what I mean it's like you are family it's weird it's family and that is that thing Lynn when we meet up it's just you know across thousands of miles and months and years. Yeah. I'm not letting you finish. I'm, please don't go. Please don't. Yeah. <laughs> I need a pay, brother. Come on. Can well, we... Can we yeah, Lynn, Lynn was, Aileen's left me. <laughs> oh, she had <laughs> Right. Uh-huh. Well, it has been magic. I hope that, listener, it's been magic for you too. Anyway, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this episode, but we will, um, sorry to say, be back again very soon. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, I've been Ferguson. I've been Harrington. I've been Hawks. And I've been Macaulay. Fred, well, I'll love you. Yeah. I just Thank do. Thank you, mate. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, guys. That was so much fun. You've been listening to Ferguson Harrington Hawks with Lynn Ferguson, Neil Harrington and Chesney Hawks. Written and produced for Source Productions by, surprise, surprise, Lynn Ferguson, Neil Harrington and Chesney Hawks. 